Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ain't That the Tooth, a podcast by the South Florida District Dental Association, where we take you into the lives of our members and their perspectives on all kinds of topics in and out of dentistry. I am your host, Yolanda Marrero, and today's topic deals with understanding patients' insurance and what are third-party payers. Our guest today is Ms. Casey Stodemeyer, Director of Third-Party Payers at the Florida Dental Association. Hi, Casey. Thank you for being a good sport, being on the show for us today. Welcome. Thank you, Yolanda. Always happy to talk with members and talk with you and everyone down in South Florida. Good. I know you've been with the Florida Dental Association for a long time. You want to give us a little quickie on how you got started and what your position is? I also know you are an attorney, so you could talk a little bit about that too. Sure. So I have been with the FDA coming up on nine years in December. It seems crazy to think that it's been nine years. Uh, I do have a law degree. Uh, I am licensed by the Florida Bar, so I do keep that up. I graduated from Stetson University College of Law in 2009, which is crazy to think how long I've been an attorney and that I am a real adult and people ask me real questions and want advice. So it it still kind of catches me off guard sometimes. As far as coming to the FDA, I actually came to the FDA as a lobbyist. I worked with Joanne Hart in the GAO office and came as a lobbyist as part of our lobbying team and just decided after about four-ish years, that's not something that I wanted to do for my forever career. I wanted something a little bit different. Um, I enjoyed the uh, public policy aspects of lobbying, you know, the bill analysis and drafting and and things like that. But some of the other parts, I just, I didn't see it as a full-time career for me. Uh, so I went and talked with Drew and we had some conversations and, you know, what is the one, one of the biggest pain points for our members is dental insurance, third-party payers. And so I was fortunate enough to uh, be able to kind of craft this new position. It's a very hybrid hybrid position, a lot of things going on, uh, but was able to come up with something. And the title is Director of Third-Party Payer and Professional Affairs, and it encompasses a a lot of things. But I think one of the biggest uh, member benefits is the help we can do with third-party payers. That's fantastic. For those of you who don't know who Drew is, Drew Eason, Executive Director of the Florida Dental Association, and Casey mentioned him now that she actually talked to him about becoming uh, or taking on a different position, which, by the way, is extremely important to our membership. And I can attest to that because of the amount of questions that we get in regards to these things. So let's start with what is a third-party payer? So a third-party payer is is something that I'll refer to as insurance. So it's an insurance plan. The reason we don't really call them a insurance plan is because I think we can all agree that dental insurance is not insurance. It's basically an employer-sponsored benefit. It does not operate like a patient's medical insurance. Uh, it is, in our opinion, just not insurance. So A third-party payer could be one of your PPO plans, your Cygnas, your Delta Dentals, your United Healthcares. It could be an HMO. There's not a lot of dental HMOs out there anymore, but you do see some. And then Medicaid, if you're a Medicaid provider or anything to do with the Medicaid system, 
And now there's a talk of a dental benefit in Medicare. So that's something that we're also watching closely as well. Yes, I, I know that that's a big, big point being brought up legislatively. Uh, is there anything you can talk to us about that so that people understand what is the um, the bill, the policy? What are they looking at? So the dental benefit in Medicare, the Democrats are really proposing to include its dental vision and hearing, because those are really the three things that older Americans don't really get through their Medicare benefits now. And so dental is a big one. Right now, it would be for everyone. And I say right now because this is what's being proposed currently. But there's some probably some issues with it being funded because the price tag would be so high. But it would be for everyone. It would be in Part B, B as in boy. And it would take effect, and I believe it's about five years. There's a kind of a roll-in time frame. And it actually would require the recipients to have a co-share or kind of a co-payment type type thing. So the ADA is not against a dental benefit in Medicare. A couple of years ago, there was actually a policy passed by the ADA House of Delegates for their proposal. Um, it's more, it's really to target the seniors that are most in need and can't afford dental care. Uh, and if you want more information on that, that could be a whole nother ain't that the tooth. Um, but if you <laughs> yes. want more information, we we have, I know South Florida has sent out some things to their folks on action alerts. We have information on our website and we've sent it out. So if you really want the details, uh, you can go and, and see those documents. Yeah, that's true, Casey. It really is a big topic. It has a lot of questions. So absolutely, it could be another podcast on its own. So like you heard, Casey, reach out to your uh, local component directors, and they'll get you in touch with the people you need to talk to in regards to this Medicaid issue. So let's get back to the third party payers. What kind of questions do you get from our membership and from the members of, of all the components in regards to this matter? Anything and everything, <laughs> I, I guess you would say. Um, and, and it's funny, a lot of times, you know, it's it's our members front office staff that's reaching out, which I really encourage. Don't think it always has to be the dentist that reaches out to me. I am more than happy to talk with your insurance coordinator, your front office staff, uh, things like that. So a lot of times I'll be going back and forth with them. Uh, a, a lot of things, you know, a, a lot of it is understanding claims processing. What is the claims processing policy? Was a denial done correctly? Was it something I agreed to in the contract? Um, a lot of things that I see under under that heading would be questions about bundling, questions about downcoding, questions about least expensive alternative treatment, frequency limitations, you know, think of like that third cleaning issue. You know, the plans will cover two cleanings a year, but that third one, maybe the patient has to cover pocket depths for scaling and root planning. That's always a huge one. And how plans do because each plan does things differently. Again, it's it's a lot of understanding how the third party payer benefit works. And, you know, it's it's funny. A lot of times when we do a contract review service, and I've never really had people ask and question the fees because if the fee that was listed in the fee schedule is what I actually get paid, I could probably make it work in my office. The problem comes with I've done, and this is a very simplistic example, but I do a filling on a patient and I do a composite fill, filling. 
but the plan's only going to pay me for an amalgam filling. So it's not necessarily the fee, it's how they are going to process that claim. Another big issue is, you know, bundling with crowns. All the all the procedures for a crown are bundled into one payment. It's not billed separately. So it, it's one of those things where trying to help the member or the member staff understand this is how that plan is really going to work. And this is this is how it's going to run day to day in your office. So is this something that you need to look at as the person who is accepting these contracts? You're really telling people, look at that carefully, because you may be agreeing to things that you're not aware of. Exactly, exactly. And and the ADA and the FDA, we do offer a free contract analysis service. It's for members. So before you sign that contract, if you'll send me a blank unsigned copy, we can actually kind of put that in plain English. We're not going to tell you whether to sign it or not. That's a business decision. But we can put it in plain English and also show you some things on there that maybe you should try to negotiate or that you should be aware of as this is what this really means and how it's going to affect your practice. Okay. Let me ask you something. If once you're under a contract, can you get yourself out of it and start over? Yes. So every contract is going to have a way where you can say, I no longer want to be a quote unquote in-network provider with this plan. Now it's usually you have to give 30, 60, 90 day notice, something like that. But that is definitely an option. Actually, it's, it's kind of funny. It's a good question. Lately, I've seen some of our younger dentists, particularly that are uh, kind of taking over practices, calling me and saying, I want to drop all my insurances. And, but I think I can offer an in-house plan or a concierge type plan that can give just a good, just as good a benefit or sometimes even better to my patients. And so what they'll do is they'll drop the insurance plan and tell their patients, Hey, we're no longer going to accept your insurance. We'll help you file the paperwork. But if you don't want to have insurance anymore, you don't, you know, you can drop that through your employer. We offer this in-house plan and let us show you how we can make those numbers work and really benefit you. I wanted to get back a little bit because I know what you're just talking about is is something that's also becoming popular and and rather than accepting insurances is creating these concierge in-office plans. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I was curious about one thing when uh, there was something that w- we had talked about in the past is about policies being covered by state or federal law. What mm-hmm. exactly is that? And that's a, that's a huge issue because if you think about it in Florida, our GAO team has been great. We've been able to pass like non-covered services legislation. That was a huge win. Uh, this session, we're going after some clawback legislation. Those bills and those statutes will only apply to plans that are covered by state law. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, the majority of the plans that are now being offered are going to be self-funded plans. Self-funded plans are going to be governed by federal law. And a self-funded plan, really, that just means that an employer pays the claim costs and the, pay, the plans or the payers provide administrative services. So like here at the FDA, we have a self-funded plan. 
Uh, we fund the plan with X number of dollars and say um, to the plan, we actually use one of our concierge plans that we're going to be talking about later, one of our concierge providers called Vento. And they, they basically run the plan for us administratively. A fully insured plan would be one that would be governed by state law. So like our state non-covered services would apply. And that means that the employer pays the plan a premium to manage the care for the employees. So it's, again, it's, it's a little bit nuanced, but it is a big, there is a big difference because I will get calls and say, hey, I got an EOB back from a plan and it says this service is non-covered, but they're still telling me that I have to pay the negotiated rate. Well, if you if we do a little bit of digging, we can find out, well, it's governed by federal law. And unfortunately, there's no federal non-covered services legislation yet. I will say the ADA is advocating for it, but it's not law yet. Well, good. That clears that up because I'm, I think that's part of the confusion is that it sometimes seems that the policies are ambiguous and it, it really takes a lot of, of research and digging to come up with the right answers. Or to even understand yeah, the, it, yeah. Uh, the plans does, are definitely not going to make it easy on no. you. <laughs> how does that affect, I, I imagine it has to affect the relationship between the patient and the doctor. Because, you know, you as a patient walk in there with this uh, idea of what your insurance is going to cover, and then there's the reality of things. Uh, it's got to be tough. I mean, I, I can't imagine. And, and then that's... You know, thank you so much for bringing that up because a lot of times when members call me, it it gives me an opportunity and I think it gives the member and the member's office staff the opportunity to really do patient education. So if you take insurance plans in your office and your which is a business decision that a lot of people have to make. I think one of the best things you can do for your patients is educate them on what dental insurance is and more specifically what dental insurance is not. This is not going to operate like your medical insurance. This is, you know, this is going to be covered. This is not going to be covered. This is what that maximum means. This is what this means. And so really trying to explain to them, especially when you get into larger procedures, implants, crowns, things like that, um, you know, something besides your basic preventative maintenance services, really explaining to them because it really does, unfortunately, put the dentist in the middle. And a lot of times the dentist looks like the bad guy. Yeah. And we hear it as component directors. We get a lot of these patient calls of, you know, sadly, of people that are misinformed and don't quite understand uh, that no, their their doctor isn't the bad guy. It's just unfortunately, this is what your insurance plans cover. So uh, I am all for patient uh, education, and I do hope that doctors out there listening realize that your staff is that front line of defense to help people understand exactly what they're getting for their insurance, and hopefully and that'll yeah. Go ahead. I would just say on that point, when a patient complains either to you, Yolanda, or to me, because I'll get patients calls as well <laughs> up here at the FDA, or if your staff is, you know, trying having some issues, tell them to have that employee go back to their employer and say, hey, this is what my dentist is telling me. This plan really doesn't cover this, or this isn't really this, because the employer 
has the power to call the plan and say, okay, yes, we do want to pay for that or we want to change this. So the more patients you have complaining to an HR department, maybe the more uh, more listening they will do on which dental benefit, I always put benefit in a quotation marks, uh, they're going to provide for their employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine times out of 10, I'm, I don't mean to put down HR people, but you're kind of making a decision for a huge amount of employees and you're also working towards keeping a budget and it, and it becomes difficult. So you, you really got to do your it's, research. And, and and as employees, you kind of have to guide your HR people a little bit as well. So good. That was good. I never even thought about sending people, you mm-hmm. know, to talk to their employers. Um, we had mentioned something about virtual credit cards. Uh, and, and I say this in conversations that I've had with Casey in the past. So if I say something like this, it's because I'm probably came up in an old conversation. But um, in regards to payment issues, the virtual credit cards, what is that? That's a huge pain point right now. So the insurance plans and their infinite wisdom, that would be easier and that providers and dentists would like it better if instead of paying them, you know, through EFT, we're going to send you a virtual credit card that you can then go quote unquote cash and that's how we're going to pay you because it's just, it's going to be easier. But the fine print in that is when you quote unquote cash that credit card, you're charged a fee, usually about 3%. So now your low reimbursement rate that you got from the insurance company is even going to be lower because now you're having, you're getting charged a processing fee to, to basically cash that and get paid. Wow. I didn't even but, know that. Wow. Yeah. The good news is, you don't have to accept that. All you have to do is let the plan know. I encourage you to do it in writing if you can, just so you have a paper trail. But to reach reach out to the plan and say, I do not want to be paid by a virtual credit card. I want to continue to be paid you know, by EFT. Sometimes they'll continue paper checks, but a lot of times they'll prefer an EFT. Uh, and you can, you can request that. Probably EFT is your best bet because the way the mail's been lately. And I just found <laughs> yes. out that even first class mail now is not going to be as quickly delivered as it has been in the past. And that's insanity. But again, uh, fodder for another podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, what happens if, if you're audited? So auditing, you know, that's something that you agree to in the contract. You know, if you sign these contracts, you're agreeing that you may be audited by a plan. And the first question to always ask when you get that letter is to call the plan and say, why am I being audited? What's going on? Sometimes they're they're looking at you in your office because you may be an overutilizer of a service. So for example, you may do a lot of, I'm going to just use an example, root canals in your office because you're an endodontist. However, in their system, they may have you down as a general dentist. They may not have you as an endodontist. So it could just be something as simple as telling the plan, well, hey, I'm an endodontist. So I'm doing a lot of root canals in my office. And that will probably get you off of the audit or the the review. Um, So it's really important. The first step is to reach out to the plan and, and try to figure out what's going on. Why are you looking at me more closely? And And I mean, we can talk about this more. If anybody has these issues, they can call me. But it's really them first, just probably you're going to have to send in claims to a different um, address, to a different service. 
and they're just going to scrutinize them a little bit more and take a closer look at them. It may get stepped up to where they come into your office and request to look at patient files. That is, again, something you agreed to in the contract. It's not a HIPAA issue, but there's there's several different types and several different escalations. But the biggest thing is don't ignore it. If it comes, don't ignore it. And the first question, I think, would be to call and ask why. And then your second call could be to me to say, this is why they say they're auditing me or reviewing me. You know, what do I need to be concerned with? Okay, that's good. And again, the message here is reaching out to Casey Stoudemire at the Florida Dental Association. We pride ourselves in the fact that there are people in our organization that are here to help you. And this is a real important part of it. So again, we can't stress it enough. Uh, reaching out to the FDA is is the best bet. Bank of America Practice Solutions is leading the way into 2021. From the award-winning digital banking application and platform to the business-focused lending and cash flow savings promotions, they are a proud sponsor of the South Florida District Dental Association and happy to provide their skills and services to the dental industry. They focus on first-time practice startups and acquisitions, established practice remodels, expansion, debt refinances, even commercial real estate. Visit Bank of America Practice Solutions to see which program is right for you. Dental Broker of Florida is supporting the dental industry in the post-pandemic situation, offering many tools on their website for your convenience. They also have their customary services available, including portfolio of dental offices for sale, practice assessment of value, and help in finding associates and staff for your practice. Visit dentalbrokerflorida.com for more detail. High performance meets ergonomic design for uncompromised scanning in CareStream Dental's newest interaural scanner, the CS3700. The new design of the scanner centers around doctors' needs and preferences with customer-centric workflows. Smart shade matching, high-speed scanning and processing, and touchscreen capabilities. Visit carestreamdental.com forward slash CS3700 for more information. And we're back, and we're going to talk a little bit about something that the ADA and FDA have been lobbying for. It's the repeal of the McCarran-Ferguson Act. And Casey, can you fill us in a little bit on that? So this has been going on since I joined the FDA, uh, the repeal of the McCarran-Ferguson Act. Uh, Long story short, insurance and baseball were basically the two industries that were allowed to kind of collude. Whereas, you know, dentists, you guys can't all get together and say, this is, these are the prices we're going to charge in our area for these types of services. You know, obviously that's antitrust, anti-competitive, but insurance plans were basically allowed to kind of get together and, and collude and and do some things that we would consider antitrust. That was repealed 
in uh, 2020, it was a big win for the ADA because it, it took, I don't know how many years to do, but I, I've been at the FDA almost nine years and it was being discussed before I even got here. So you can imagine uh, how long that was being done. So everybody always asks, well, great. Now, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that dentists can now collude. <laughs> it doesn't mean that, that we can actually go out there now and be uh, you know, anti-competitive, but it does mean that the insurance plans are going to be looked at more closely and they are not, they're going to have to be more transparent. Um, there's going to have to be more competition. Unfortunately, there's probably not going to be any immediate effects that you're going to see you know, in the next year or two. But we do expect long term, you're going to see some some changes that are going to benefit everyone. For example, I mean, if we all know if, if plans have to be fair and transparent, you should start seeing some innovations and choice for providers, but also consumers. This was a big consumer benefit to hopefully maybe have dental insurance become more of a benefit instead of just being you know, like I said, a, a third party payer. Um, what's really interesting is the ADA, as soon as that passed, they started reaching out to legislators and they did, they were able to find some legislators that wrote a letter to the FTC to say, okay, this law passed. What are you guys doing about it? Are, are you, in, how are you looking at the plans and, and their practices? Are you investigating anything? And, and so the ADA lobbying team is doing a great job of making sure that uh, the FTC is keeping on top of the plans and and making sure they're abiding by by this new legislation. Hmm. And the FTC is the Federal Trade Commission, correct? Yes, okay. yes, Federal Trade Commission. They're the ones that you've probably heard a lot of them recently with some of the clear aligner companies and dental boards and things like that. That's the big antitrust thing going on now. So you're saying that we're not going to see an immediate effect from the repeal of the McCarran-Ferguson Act, but eventually. Do you see things changing in the marketplace, the dental marketplace? You know, I, I want to be optimistic. Um, I think a lot of it will depend on the enforcement. So I, I'm hopeful that if the FTC does the investigations and does look into some of the practices that these insurance, and it's not just dental insurance, it's health insurance as well and vision insurance. So hopeful that maybe as you start looking at looking at these practices, you know, I'm like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll start to see some things. I mean, you've seen a lot happen in the clear aligner uh, marketplace, so to speak, lately, whether it's Invisalign, whether it's Smile Direct Club, whether it's Clear, whether it's whomever, you know, this could be another, I think, niche issue for the Federal Trade Commission in the uh, in the dental world. We talked a little bit about other things that you do as one of are, are very, very important people at the Florida Dental Association. And, and I don't know how you do it. You're a one, are you a one-man department? Because there's so many questions. I mean, I feel like we call you at least two or three times a week, <laughs> one thing or another. But you do other things. There's other things there besides just the third-party payer issues. For instance, I know that I myself call you on a lot of Board of Dentistry questions. So fill me in on, on that a little. So the Board of Dentistry, they meet four times a year. That's the regulatory agency. That's who you get your license through. That's if a patient files a complaint, that's who is going to investigate you. Um, so they're the licensure arm, the regulatory arm. 
they do promulgate rules. So if, you know, I like to say a statute may be passed that says hygienists can do um, certain remediable tasks. Well, then it's up to the board of dentistry to determine which tasks those are and under which level of supervision. So a lot of times I'll get questions on, can my hygienist do X, Y, or Z? And what level of supervision will that be in? You know, things like that. There's anesthesia rules. So they, if you do any sort of sedation in your office from nitrous all the way up to general anesthesia, there are rules that govern that training you have to have all of that. That was actually recently updated about a year and a half ago. There's some new items that you should probably be aware of if you're a sedation permit holder uh, and make sure it really relates to CE uh, that'll be due this biennium. Um, if you have any questions, again, call call me, but we do have some information on our website about that. Any CE questions, you know, what, what do I need to take to renew my license? What's required? What's not required? Um, all of that. So, and like, and then I go to all the board of dentistry meetings. I work closely with the board of dentistry members. You also have a board of dentistry liaison and Dr. Joe Calderon. And so it's always a dentist to dentist conversation. And I'm just kind of his wingman at those meetings, but we go to all of the meetings and we listen to all of the conference calls and really very similar to what GAO does at the legislature, we do at the Board of Dentistry. In, in regards to legal advice, which I think this is, there's a misconception of what the attorneys for the FDA are there for. And I, from what I gather, you're not there to answer personal legal questions. So tell us a little Correct. bit more about that. Yeah, I'm not, I, I can't act as your individual attorney. Um, but with that being said, uh, I always encourage members to reach out with with legal questions because there are legal questions that we are going to be able to answer. Um, we don't do, you know, individual employment contract review. Uh, we're not going to represent you if you're buying or selling your practice. But there's really there are a lot of questions that I get on a daily basis that are legal. There are HIPAA questions. There are OSHA questions. There's, you know, consent for the treatment of minors. A couple of years ago, the, the topic du jour was service animals and what can I allow in my office and what can I not allow in my office? Um, so again, it's I always tell people, err on the side of calling me. And if I can't answer it, I'll let you know. And I can give you advice on who to reach out to if you do need to hire your own attorney. Uh, but there are a lot of things that we're going to be able to, to answer for you and help uh, help you kind of work through, at least be a sounding board. Um, and I can even give you advice on questions to ask an attorney if that's if that's the route that you're going to need to go. But again, err on the side of caution. And I always say, call us. And, you know, if it's something we can't do, we'll we'll make sure to let you know. That's good to know. And I, I hope people are paying attention because I have gotten some members call and say, if I knew, I would have called the FDA. And I, I just don't know how much more we can make this known to all members of the Florida Dental Association, as well as non-members, because I find that that is something that non-members miss out on, is that a opportunity and the ability to have someone to reach out to and get a, an answer, and if not an answer, get a direction in which to go. So it's greatly appreciated and probably, you know, I would dare say a little bit underutilized. Not that I want to give you more work, Casey, but, you know, that it, it's, it is a benefit. I'm going to start forwarding all those calls to you. <laughs> okay. I'll forward all those calls to you, Yolanda. 
Oh my goodness. Speaking of of uh, component directors, I know too that we always have questions regarding bylaws, regarding policies, and running meetings. And so you're another resource for that. So if any of our directors or even people who are on the boards of our component associations, our affiliate societies, these are questions that we can direct to you as well. Yes, I've I've helped many uh, many components and even affiliates. I know you guys are you're unified down in South Florida, but for other folks that are listening, I've helped components and, and affiliates. Just if there's bylaws questions, or you know they're doing a bylaws review, or hey, we're going to have a meeting. Can you help us? How, how does it need to run? Or we need to pass this resolution. How can we make sure it's done correctly? Uh, just you know the the fun stuff of parliamentary procedure. Uh, that I know everybody is, you know, itching to, you know, be up to speed on all those super interesting parliamentary procedure codes and rules and all of that. So it's, it's, I would say it's one of the most important parts of any organization, whether it's a dental association or whether it's your local chamber, whether it's your local Rotary Club, whatever, whatever kind of group you're in, but running a, an efficient meeting and a successful meeting and keeping everyone engaged and making sure everyone is treated fairly, I think is probably one of the biggest things you can do. And um, we're always happy to, to make sure that that's being done, you know, within the framework that you have available. Yeah. A well-run meeting it gives you results. And and when you're meeting and nothing is happening, that's because we're not up to par with what we should be doing in that meeting. Uh, and don't let the word parliamentary kind of scare you off. I know it sounds stuffy, but at the end of the day, all it is is knowing how to run your meeting properly, just like Casey said, you know, letting everyone be heard and being able to come up with solutions in a in a you know, sane manner. Before we let you go, I know that we touched a little bit on the on Bento as a, mm -hmm. a form of quote unquote insurance. Can you talk to us about that? I know it's available for our members. So, wh what is Bento, and how do people become involved? So, Bento, uh, their their tagline is a modern alternative to traditional dental insurance, and really, was it what it is? It's twofold. The first part is they do have a product where you can use their platform. Think of think of Uber uh, or something like that. So there's a platform that everyone can have on their mobile device or their computer. Um, and you can use that platform to actually run your in-office plan. So you can work with them. There are uh, discounts for FDA members. And you can utilize them to run your in-house plan. That way, they can your patients can make appointments online through the app. They can pay you through the app. They're going to know exactly how much things are going to cost immediately up front before they even come in. So that that's one way. And that's really been running gangbusters here lately in, in Florida. They said that's probably the product that's been the biggest. But I think long term, what Bento wants to do is really disrupt the dental insurance marketplace. So ideally, what we would like to see is an employer, like maybe say your hospital, is going to offer a dental benefit for their employees. So instead of purchasing Delta Dental or having Delta Dental run their employees' dental plan, they're going to use Bento. And it'll be a self-funded plan. And so, and this is what we here do at the FDA for our employees. 
we work with Bento and we say we want to spend X number of dollars on our dental benefit. And this is how we want it set up. And then our employees use the app and the dentists are, are part of that network. And that's how it runs. The, I think the best thing is when the dentist signs up for the fee schedule, and this is what makes Bento unique, there are no claims processing. So when Bento says they're going to pay you X number of dollars for a crown, that's the cost. That's the price you're going to get paid. There's no bundling. There's no down coding. There's no, there's no confusion. It's if you're doing a filling, this is how much you're getting for the filling. If you're doing a crown, this is how much you're getting for the crown. If you're doing this. And so again, there's, there's no guesswork and there's no trying to figure all of that out. So the patient knows exactly how much they're going to be how much will be covered by the employer's plan, quote unquote, and how much they'll be charged out of pocket. You'll know exactly what Bento is going to pay and not pay. And it just it just makes that a lot easier and easier to understand and really just kind of takes out the middleman. Okay. So they basically simplified the process so yes. that as a dentist, when you're filing a claim, you're not going through the hoops. Uh, how does that af- how are the codes affected by that or are they the, it's, just, it's still the same codes they okay. still use the same CBT codes okay. um, they're all they're all inputted in there and that you still code the exact same way and it's just instead of when you bill for a crown you're know you're gonna know exactly how much that is and there's mm-hmm. not going to be so their fee schedule is much simpler and easier to understand because what you're agreeing to get paid is actually what you're going to get paid. Okay. There's no guesswork. Yeah, it sounds great. How is that? How does that work for the patient? Is the patient? Have we seen that they're generally pleased with that? I mean, here at the FDA, we're we're very pleased with it. We've been using it for almost a year now. It's very. It's been very simple for our employees to use. Um, obviously, I used it, and like I said, you just everything just goes through the app. And you can do it on a mobile device or a computer. And yeah, we, we, there was obviously, it's a startup. So obviously there's going to be some fits and starts and some bugs, but there's been nothing but positive feedback from what, from what we've had here in house. Oh, that's great. Nothing like the state of Florida to test out something. We're so different from one end to the other. So that's fun. That's really good. I'm hoping that our members will take advantage of that. Test it out. Test it out. You don't know what you're missing unless you try it. So, and then encourage and encourage your patients and encourage your friends that are business owners. Um, if they offer a, an employer benefit, uh, dental benefit, encourage them to maybe look at Bento. Is there anything else you want to say in closing? Um, I would just say, you know, thank you again for the opportunity. I know we were really focusing on third-party payer and dental insurance and how the FDA can help, but. I know we're still in the midst of COVID. Um, I know everybody still has questions or still dealing with those types of issues. Uh, that is another area that the FDA is here to help you. And I know Yolanda and South Florida are here to help as well. Watch for those COVID updates that you see every Friday. I think ours just went out. We recorded this on a Friday, so ours just went out. Um, I would really encourage you to go to our website. But again, um, call us if you have any any questions about staff exposure, vaccines? Um, you know, we are we're definitely still feeling it here in Florida, and we want to make sure that our dentists know that that they can reach out and we can help you walk through those situations uh, that that you're having in your offices because we know we know it's not over for you guys yet. 
No, it's not. And we, we get a lot of the calls as well. So, you know, passing them on to you and, and it's not even passing the call on to you. It is just the fact that you all are there working to get this information available to all of us so that we in turn can help all of the membership and beyond. Because again, I'll say people that are not members kind of hear about it. And the hope is, is that they find the value in, in joining the uh, American Dental Association through the FDA, through all of the components that exist in the state. We're all here to help you run your practices and keep your profession intact. So, Casey, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you'll probably hear from me often because we always have questions. So I appreciate it that you took some time to talk to us. Thank you, Yolanda, and thank you for the opportunity. I, I do know that I'm sure we'll be talking soon, and I, and I hope to be talking to a lot of our members soon. Please pick up the phone and call if that's the one thing you take away is call the FDA. Uh, let us help you with uh, whatever issue that you have going on uh, at the moment. Yeah, call the FDA. You can call your local components. Um, that's the South Florida District, the Atlantic Coast District, the Central District, West Coast District, Northeast District, and Northwest District. There's a place for you to go to, and we're all interconnected, and we all work together. So don't ever stop yourself from reaching out to us, because that's our job. We're here to help you out. And Casey helps all of us out. Without her information, we'd, we'd certainly not be doing our job. Thank you for listening. And folks, remember to leave your comments and questions at www.sfdda.org. And you might get one of our Ain't That the Tooth mugs. Ain't That the Tooth is produced by the South Florida District Dental Association and directed and edited by Victoria Marrero. Our theme music was written and performed by our very own Dr. Richard Muffson. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Bank of America Practice Solutions, CareStream Dental, Dental Broker of Florida, Hyosin, Florida Dental Association, and Florida Dental Association Services for making this production possible.